The whole thing started with a dream, a cockeyed, crazy dream. The way Casey figured it, life was a sour deal. It was something with a beginning you didn't ask for, an ending you couldn't help, and nothing in between that would sell even at a charity auction. But it came in a package, like a Christmas tie, and once the package was opened, you were stuck with it. Casey Morrow was thinking again, and that was bad. What he needed was another drink. What I need is another drink, he gravely advised himself, there being no one else in the vicinity to advise, and hauled out the wad of green from his pocket again. It wasn't much of a wad by this time, not after the way he'd been hitting it all afternoon, but he spread two wrinkled bills out on the glass tabletop and squinted at them to make sure. Two singles, that was the size of it. That was the last remnant of the big deal, and it meant that the liquor would have to work a lot faster than it had been if he was going to reach a state of happy oblivion before the funds gave out. Of course, there were cheaper bars. Casey was quite a connoisseur in that field. But for this particular Goethe Dameron, nothing but the best would do. Nothing but the glass topped, the deep cushioned, and the dark. This was the darkest cocktail lounge Casey had encountered this side of hell, and he'd been there, too. One minute there wasn't another soul on the face of the earth, and in the next the shadowy form of a waiter emerged from the darkness just long enough to deposit another scotch on the table and make off with one of the wrinkled bills. He didn't make a sound on the deep-piled carpet, and only the faraway clink of glasses could be heard from the blue circle that was the bar. Casey wasn't looking at the bar. He couldn't have seen that far anyway. But even without looking, he knew that the place was almost empty. Very few people set out to get deliberately drunk at mid-afternoon in a fashionable Chicago bar, not unless they were celebrating something special, like, for instance, their own funeral. And then it began. Mind if I sit down? The question came without any preliminaries at all, but hearing voices under such circumstances wasn't so unusual. It had happened before. With great difficulty, Casey managed to divert his attention from the fresh scotch and focus his eyes at a somewhat higher level. Then, as the shadows cleared a bit, wondered why he'd been so long about it. The face and figure behind this particular voice were definitely feminine, of the choicest order, and the way she was looking at him did absolutely nothing to clear his head. You look lonely, she added. We might as well be lonely together. Now, it was this way with Casey Morrow. He took whatever came along, the good, the bad, the indifferent. Not because he always wanted to take it, but because experience had taught him that nobody was going to ask his opinion anyway. And now this girl had come along, and she was very beautiful. Casey's vocabulary had limitations, but that was word enough for her. While he was thinking up a suitable comeback to her provocative proposition, she eased into the opposite side of the booth one of those narrow, intimate arrangements that made her knees brush his and brought a cascade of taffy-colored hair close enough to make him dizzy on the scent of spicy perfume, and settled back in the arc of the tiny table lamp so he could take a good long look, which he did. Her eyes, he noticed, among other things, were like purple smoke, and her mouth was full and young. And what, he mused, could such a girl want of Casey Morrow, who isn't beautiful and looks older than his thirty years. And then his broad mouth slashed an offside grin, and one hand closed fondly over the last wrinkled bill on the tabletop. Sorry, Casey said. This is for me.
She didn't even wince. Is that nice? She asked. It's economics. Elementary economics. He had a little trouble with that last phrase and went over it once more, carefully. The sad truth is, honey, that's all there is. There isn't any more. According to the rules, the girl should have remembered a previous engagement at this moment and made herself suddenly scarce. But this one seemed to make her own rules as she went along. The purple smoke eyes were measuring Casey's face now, every inch of it, from the unruly, dun-colored hair to the squared-off chin that was just right for leading with. They didn't miss the scar, half-lost, at the edge of one eyebrow, where a Jap marksman hadn't been quite good enough, and they couldn't very well miss the insult in that twisted grin. But she still didn't leave.